0: Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor.
1: Welcome to another hour of provocative inquiry designed to inform and enlighten all of us about ourselves and the world around us. This is an hour for the open-minded. For the next hour is dedicated to exploring the nature of our universe, our consciousness, how and why they interact if they do, all in our attempt at understanding what it means to be human what forces act upon us and why, what we can expect of ourselves and others, what is meant by free will or the limitation thereof, and why any and all of this might even matter. Again, all in an effort to grasp exactly what enlightenment means and what it is to be enlightened. We make it a point to admit in the beginning that there are many human limitations, some we know and some we might not be aware of, and therefore we acknowledge that everything we have thought we knew might just be wrong. In this way, each week we undertake anew our search and discovery of the human potential in hopes that we truly expand our awareness. Last week, our guest was the distinguished Dr. Rupert Sheldrake. His theory of morphic resonance explained how consciousness communicates telepathically and how dogs know when their masters are returning home. A lot more as well. He told us that he views consciousness as evolving just as the laws of nature continue to evolve. We discussed how it wasn't too long ago that studying consciousness was a taboo in science, since it's considered to be so subjective. He agreed with me that you cannot truly carry out science without the subjective, since it enters into all our sciences as a matter of course. That is, there are no non-conscious folks out there doing science. The experimenter and the experiment are necessarily interconnected or, at some level, entangled. Now to our letters. All right, wrote me on Facebook and said, I listened to the fabulous show yesterday on Hay House Radio. If I may, I would like to mention something concerning the separation anxiety of dogs. Shouldn't we as dog owners just accept what Dr. Sheldrake stated? Dogs simply are social animals. I think trying to train them out of too much really goes against their nature. Thanks again for the show and the introduction to Dr. Sheldrake's work. Is the chat room that is mentioned on Facebook, or how can listeners have access to it? I'd very much appreciate your help. Okay, all right. And I appreciate your feedback. Alexander wrote, Thank you, Eldon, for sharing your wisdom with us, and I love the fascinating guests you interview. Blessings. Well, thank you, Alexander, and I do appreciate you listening and your feedback, and you're going to love today's guest, too. Now, Emo writes in response to my comments about that warm, fuzzy feeling that you get when you go to the aid of another. Quote, I want my life to mean more than that little fuzzy feeling. I want a feeling of grandeur, like I own myself, like I own the world. That's what I want to feel, powerful, able, joyous. I want intensity. You can take this fuzzy feeling and stick it back in your, excuse me, I'm quoting, shithole it came from, end quote. Well, emo, <clears throat> let me tell you this. Power, joy, ability, and more are exactly the feelings you have when you realize that your life makes a difference to more than your selfish, self-interest appetites. Amen. From Australia, Alice, one of our regular listeners, wrote, Hello, Eldon. I've just finished reading your book, Choices and Illusions. I love the way you give scientific evidence and clear explanations on every topic you discuss. This enables one to have a much more complete understanding of the issues discussed, rather than going on faith alone. Even the most skeptical minds would not be able to fault your approach to various subjects which often needs to be accepted on faith alone. Many thanks for a great book. Well, thank you, Alice. All right, Michelle wrote, Hi, Eldon. I'm loving your show. I was wondering, have you ever interviewed Sonia Choquette? She has a lot to say about trusting your vibes. Well, no, I haven't, Michelle, but she is on our list, so you want to stay tuned. Renee wrote, I am just about done reading Mind Programming, and I just wanted to first thank you for the great work you are doing. If only this stuff could be taught in schools, I think we would have the greatest future generation ever. War, crime, famine, poverty, disease could all be drastically reduced, if not totally eliminated. I strongly believe we all hold that power within ourselves. Again, thank you, Renee, and I couldn't agree with you uh, with more certainty. Now, and Patricia shared something with me that I want to share with all of you, especially at this time of year. She writes about believing in yourself, quote, just wanted to let you know that I have been listening to the Intertalk CD Millionaire Orbit for a few weeks now and have had some amazing results. I bought the CD last year from your site and listened to it, but had no luck the first time. I decided to give it one more shot and within three days my head was overloaded with ideas for a bunt cake business I've been wanting to do on the side out of my home. I've come up with almost 30 recipes in less than a week's time, more ideas than I can count for decorating them, and some really good ways to market and get my product out. I'm also manifesting other things completely unrelated to any of this so easily too. I am no longer, I no longer have any worries or stresses about the future. I know that I'm going to be successful and financially secure. I keep a gratitude manifesting notebook every day, and on one side of a sheet I write ten things I'm thankful for now, and on the other side ten things I'd like to have. But I am thankful for them now as well, because I envision as if I already have them. Since listening to the Intertalk CD, I have moved four things from the manifestation side over to the gratitude side. And this all happened within 10 days. Amazing. Thank you for these wonderful products. And I have to say, for people who are skeptical, you have to allow yourself to want to change. And here's the key point. If you are in a, quote, desperate for change, and that's set off in separate quotes, End quote. State of mind. That's a desperate for change state of mind. You're probably not going to get the results you want. Law of attraction at work. Just listen to the CDs, believe and receive. End quote. Thank you, Patricia, for sharing. All of my research for nearly 30 years now, I guarantee you, when you believe in yourself, when your consciousness at every level, including your self talk, leaves fear and doubt behind. It really does make a difference. That's why the slogan around here, when believing in yourself, matters. Okay. I want to thank all of you for writing. I do enjoy your feedback. Uh, It is important to us. It guides our work, and it helps us create, I think, a better show. Now to today's subject. If you love science and you love how science and metaphysics and blend, if you want to know what the purpose of life is, you're going to love this. To me, consciousness is the final frontier. It's all about the beginning point. Who we are and what our role in the universe might be, our so-called purpose or path, the very nature of the possible survival of our individual consciousness, all of this is dependent upon our understanding of consciousness itself. With that said, defining consciousness is no simple task. Addressing its various manifestations and forms can be more daunting and undertaking. Now imagine, what would be involved if you decided to make consciousness your first principle? First principle. In other words, by way of a well-known example, remove the idea of singularity going Big Bang and insert consciousness dividing itself and creating everything. From nothing, no thing, we get everything. Our guest today is a NASA scientist, and he will share with us a theory that insists on consciousness as the underpinning for all that is. Now, I know what I think about all this. But we want your thoughts, questions, and feedback as well. We have a lot to talk about in this next hour, and we invite you to join us by calling toll-free 1-866-254-1579. And international callers can dial the country code, then 760-918-4300. All right, let's welcome today's guest. Tom Campbell began researching altered states of consciousness with none, the le- none other than Bob Monroe at Monroe Laboratories in the early 70s. Tom has been experimenting with and exploring the subjective and objective mind ever since. For the past 30 years, he has been focused on scientifically exploring the properties, boundaries, and abilities of consciousness. During that same time period, he has excelled as a working scientist, a professional physicist dedicated to pushing back the frontiers of cutting-edge technology large system simulation, technology development and integration, and complex system vulnerability and risk analysis. Presently, and for the past 20 years, he has been at the heart of developing U.S. missile defense systems. Tom's book, My Big Toe, now Toe, T-O-E, standing for Theory of Everything, is a model of existence and reality that is based directly on his scientific research and firsthand experience. It represents the results and conclusions of 30 years of careful scientific explorations of the boundaries and contents of reality from both the physical and metaphysical perspectives. There's no belief system here. There's no dogma. There's no creed. No unusual assumptions at the root of this theory of everything. By demanding high-quality, repeatable, empirical evidential data to separate what's real. And that means what exists independently and externally. This is not some imaginary kind of science. From what's imaginary or illusory, Tom has scientifically derived this general model of reality. It is my honor and pleasure to welcome to our show Tom Campbell. Welcome to Provocative Enlightenment, Tom.
2: Well, thank you, Eldon. It's uh, my pleasure to be here.
1: Well, that's great. Let's just get right in there because there's far more than you and I could ever begin to cover in an hour. And what we do want to do is flesh this out for our audience so that we're sure they get over and they look at your material because it is indeed life-changing material. It's paradigm-changing material. We'll we'll come back to that in a minute. To begin with, so please familiarize our audience with yourself and a a little bit about what led you to your theory of everything. And you might, in that process, also enlighten us or differentiate a little bit just by way of background. So we have this picture between what you call a little toe and a big toe theory in doing so.
2: Well, okay. Gee, that's a pretty big question to start with. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's uh, that's a lot. Well, I'm a physicist and... Uh, uh, when I got out of graduate school, I, I took a job with uh, Army Technical Intelligence. My boss tossed a book at me called Journeys Out of the Body. I'd never heard of it, nor had I ever heard of Bob Monroe. But um, he asked me to read it, and I did. And when he asked me what my, my um, take was on this book, you know, I just kind of shrugged my shoulders and said, well, you know, if this guy is just trying to sell books, he's got a good imagination, but if it's true, Gosh, you know, there's a whole new reality out there. That would be fantastic. And as it turned out, in a few months, I got to meet Bob Monroe, and Bob was just putting up a laboratory to study consciousness. Bob had had this out-of-body happen to him and didn't really uh, want it to happen to him. Actually, he tried hard to have it not happen to him. He sought some medical advice and whatever to see if uh, he could stop having these experiences. But then he began to play with them and experiment with them and found out that he could get information and data that was verifiable through you know, a non ordinary or through a paranormal means if you if you like. Well when I got when when I ran into Bob, he just had built this building, wanted to study consciousness, but didn't have a clue, you know, what to do next. And uh, I was a physicist actually as a graduate student then. Well no, I wasn't. I'd already I'd I'd graduated, take that back. So anyway, I was recently out of graduate school and uh, and I told Bob that I would uh, help him do the science and the protocols and so on, build the equipment and manage lab if he would teach me to do what he knew how to do, which was move around in the larger consciousness system. And I had no idea how this was going to work out, but you know, here I am, some 35, well, I don't know, almost 40 by now, years later, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's become a way of life. Bob did indeed teach myself and others there how to do what he did and we would uh, explore the larger consciousness system always looking for evidence that what we found there was indeed outside of us something real. And once you get into this business and learn something about it, at least if you're a physicist like I am, you can't let go. You have to keep working at it until you understand how it works. So that's what I've been doing for. The last, let's say, thirty thirty-five years, I've been kind of working on my my own with this. And about five or six years ago, I got to a point where I thought I understood how it worked, and that's when I sat down and took about five years to write uh, to write my books, published my books in in uh, I think it was uh, two thousand and two. So that's kind of the the very short story of uh, how I got. You know, w- you know what's a what's a nice business. Businesses like me, you know, talking about consciousness, you know, and uh, so I have a I have a twin life. I work at NASA, and there I do uh, risk analysis of of uh, the Ares One system, which is the shuttle replacement system. And uh, myself and a lot of other people at NASA are trying to figure out exactly what could go wrong, if it does go wrong, um, you know, how do we prevent it or uh, save the mission and save the astronauts. Astronauts' lives, so we're we're kind of troubleshooters, if you will, looking for potential problems, and analyzing those problems as to the probability of occurrence, and then coming up with countermeasures to, to solve the problems. So that's kind of who I am, and and uh, how I got started down this path.
1: And the long and the short of it, let's let's do this. Let's walk slowly into under understanding what makes your theory. From so many ideas out there what makes it different uh in that you know it it asserts a sort of monism you know there's there's only one thing the modad principle uh uh, it asserts a sort of monism Uh, we've seen that asserted by others uh it asserts a sort of aristotelian prime mover we've seen that asserted by others we mystics have for a long time talked about consciousness as the causal factor what makes your theory, what sets it apart, what makes it different from that traditional model that we look at either through science or that model that we look at through classical metaphysics?
2: Okay, the main difference is that my model is a, is a scientific model. It's a logical model and does not... Uh, um, It it does not speak in terms of poetry. It does not speak in terms of description of experience. It basically speaks in terms of logic, and it then can derive these other models that you're speaking of. But it's not limited just to deriving uh, metaphysical models. It also uh, can derive physics. For instance, um, and this is the, the difference between the big toe and the little toe you were mentioning, uh, a big A big toe is a toe that can logically describe, scientifically describe everything which includes physics and metaphysics. So it has to be able to uh, give a logical description of what Lao Tzu was writing about, you know those uh, mystical uh, models that you talked about. but it also has to do some solid, you know uh, hard matter physics. And in fact, it solves what in science is called a toe but I call it a little toe because it's just a theory of everything physical and what that theory of everything to physicists means is the the uh, derivation of both relativity and quantum mechanics from one overarching understanding something that physicists since Einstein have been trying to accomplish and yet have not been able to do so and with this This uh, general theory of everything, which takes into account physics as well as metaphysics, I do indeed derive um, the fundamentals of relativity, you know, and uh, also the fundamentals of quantum mechanics. And by fundamentals, what I mean is that in in quantum mechanics, uh, they discovered or at least made the assumption that all reality, you know, of course, is based on particles. And then these particles glom together to produce the reality that we sense. But these particles are not really hard, massy things, they're probability distributions. Now they took that assumption and found that it worked. So quantum mechanics has been a very, very successful theory because it can predict what happens and the predictions are generally right. And it's all based on particles being probability distributions. But physics has no idea why these particles should be probability distributions. It just knows that if you make that assumption, the math works, and you get the right answers. Mm-hmm. Well, the big toe actually derives the the um, uh, what shall we say? You know, the logic that says that particles have to be uh, distributions of probability. That that's natural. That's what they should be. And it has to be with has to do with uh, consciousness and databases, the future probable realities, and a lot of things that won't make sense to your listeners right now. It's kind of the details of the model, but it also Um, determines that our reality that we have here, our physical reality, is a virtual reality. And the logic of a virtual reality leads to the fact that the speed of light or the maximum speed with which information can be moved in our reality frame here is a constant. And from that fact, deriving that that must be the way it is, then the relativity theory just falls out of that. Once you understand the light speed is invariant under the motion of its source, then relativity becomes a rather simple math problem. The hard problem there is understanding why C should be constant. And physicists today, again, have no idea. They know that that is true, but they have no logic that tells them why that must be true. So the point is, to answer your question, that what makes this toad different is, one, it's not poetic, it's not descriptive, it's logical and scientific. Two, it derives physics that's been i uh, say a big question mark, okay, for the last 100 years, quantum mechanics and relativity being described by an overarching um, explanation, which is called a toe, which is what I call a little toe, and it also explains the paranormal things, the metaphysical things, theology, and all those other, um, you know, things that come under ontology and metaphysics and cosmology. So that's what makes it a big toe.
1: Now, as a great theory, it will have predictive power, and that predictive power will give rise to our ability to uh, verify its predictiveness. And as a great theory, um, the natural uh, predictions that, uh, that follow from it, as you say, will give rise to just the uh, implications falling out. Is that, uh, have I got that correct?
2: Yes, that's, that's correct.
1: Okay, now, Tom, we, we're coming up on a hard break. I've got about a minute and 30 seconds here. So mm-hmm. this is what I want to get staged. <clears throat> Underneath, underpinning all of reality, it is your view as the hard scientist that consciousness is the beginning, that, that everything flows from that. Is that
2: correct? That's, that's correct. Cons- consciousness is fundamental.
1: And so, if we look at that, when we come back from break, we can maybe take on some things like uh, why why all of us are here. What's the point of being in the physical world or, or the non physical? Uh, what what culture beliefs inhibit our ability from seeing the world? Uh, how we can go about improvement and so forth. Right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. All right, you're listening to Provocative Enlightenment. I've been talking with Tom Campbell about his theory of everything. It's actually a trilogy. It is a big book as well as a big toe. It is a wonderful book. I recommend this book very, very highly for anyone who genuinely enjoys reading science. If you're one of those people that reads science and then turns around and walks over here and says, oh, let me tell you all about metaphysics, You don't know anything if you haven't read this book. I really dislike those that use science improperly. This is a great book. All right. You can check Tom out at my website. We'll be right back.
0: Confusion. Deception. Manipulation. Feeling a bit controlled. Lost. Learn how you can take back control of your life through proven techniques in Eldon Taylor's revised edition of Choices and Illusions. This New York Times bestseller is a guidebook to your journey to self-actualization filled with practical, real-life solutions backed by scientific studies and guaranteed to awaken your inner genie. Get your copy today from all bookstores. Have you talked to yourself lately? What does that inner voice say? Are you constantly hearing negative feedback? Ready for a change? Inner talk. Eldon Taylor's patented subliminal technology can do just that. Change your inner self-talk. Turn off the negative by replacing it with positive affirmations. Inner talk has been researched at universities such as Stanford and by governments around the world and has been proven effective at priming your self-talk. Armed with a new positive outlook, you'll find everything becomes easier, from losing weight to stop smoking, giving presentations to riding horses. Learn new things to being a powerful salesperson. Choose your title for change today. Visit www.innertalk.com. That's I N N E R T A L K.com. Innertalk.com Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor.
1: Welcome back. Now, if you just joined us, I'm Eldon Taylor. My guest today is Tom Campbell. And we're discussing how consciousness underpins everything. In this first half of the show, you know, Tom is a scientist, uh, a NASA scientist, uh, you know, this, this, this man uh, does things in a very systematic way. So we spent the first half of the show kind of getting the uh, underpinnings, if you will, kind of putting the architecture or the foundation together for what we're going to do in this next half of the show. And that's essentially, okay, what is all this science uh, that says consciousness is at the root of the universe, not things, not shoes and ships and sealing wax, not particles, no singularity, going big bang, but consciousness. What does this mean to you, Tom? What does it mean to all of us?
2: Well, if you understand the nature of reality and how reality is formed, then you also understand your place in it and what you're doing here, and uh, you. Besides knowing what you're doing here, of course, it always, it always helps you do what you need to do if you actually know, you know, what it is you're doing and, and why you're doing it. But it also gives you a, the methodology or the understanding to optimize what you're doing here and the time that you're, you're spending. So it gives you direction as well as answers.
1: You, you make very clear in your book that spirituality, consciousness, love, paranormal phenomena, these things are all interconnected how is that
2: well they all are natural artifacts of consciousness um, first you have to understand that that uh, consciousness is an information system it's just information and if you think of of your world right now is also just information in this physical world what you see and hear and smell and touch all of that turns into electrical impulses neurons um, you know moving along, and into synapses and that sort of thing it all turns into digital and by that I mean discrete information Next step is if you can imagine that that um, that someone is able to put the same kind of uh, impulses on your nerves and the same kind of uh, movement of your neurons into your system you know what would you experience well you would experience this reality and then the next step to take this is to say that we are consciousness we are part of a large, discrete data system and we're receiving a data stream of information that defines our reality and our reality is um, the way it is because of the rule set that defines this particular you, know, you can call it a simulation, this particular reality system. Now I know this' is a little hard to understand when you get the you know the 25 words or less version instead of reading <laughs> ni- almost 900 pages of text.
1: we've got a really intelligent audience out there in fact one of them here katie from the chat room says tom is it a singular consciousness that underlies the universe or a totality of many consciousnesses
2: it's both it is it is a singular system of consciousness there is a consciousness system and what lies beyond that consciousness system is beyond our ability to see because we are consciousness and you first have to step outside of a system before you can look back at it. So when you're inside of it, you have certain natural, you know, limitations to uh, the perspective that you can can obtain. So it is a, a singular large consciousness system, but that system is evolving and part of its strategy for evolution is to break itself into a large number of pieces that interact with each other because evolution is a function of experience. And to have many things experiencing with free will, with each other, produces the kind of experiences need for consciousness to evolve. That evolution uh, I talk about in my book is is, uh, scientifically described as decreasing the entropy of the system, decreasing the entropy of individual consciousness. Um, Again, I apologize to your listeners for kind of skimming across the top, but... uh,
1: but no, that's, that's good. You, you don't need to. They get it. Yeah, by entropy, what you're referring to is uh, uh, failure to use the energy available. Is that correct?
2: Basically, that's right. If you have a high entropy system, you have a system that's very random, has little right. content. A low entropy system has the characteristic of having more order. Things are, things are in place for certain reasons and purposes. And because of that order, it has the ability to do work, to have power to change things. So a low-entropy system is one that that has the power to to make changes.
1: So consciousness is evolving toward a higher entropy, toward a higher order is what you're saying. And that would include each individual aspect of consciousness ourselves,
2: right? Toward a lower entropy. Lower entropy is... is, uh, is no, more that's what I meant. yeah more sorry yeah higher entropy is is more uh, disorder
1: right thank you. I reversed that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. thank you for great let me let me try an analogy on you that fits a question coming out of uh, the chat room as well and then while well, we've got to go to the phones I've got a couple of faithful people that have been there holding for a long time but <clears throat> in uh what's known as process theology, there is the notion uh, also known as panantheism the notion that the cells of the body could be viewed uh, somewhat analogically to the human condition. And that from within the cells, within this body, this total body, we're not able to explore what's without it, despite the fact we may well navigate everything inside and know it perfectly. Is, is that more or less the model that, that you're explaining with uh, the fragments of consciousness within the greater consciousness?
2: Yes. Now, as fragments of consciousness, we can explore the larger consciousness system because we are consciousness and it is consciousness. So that's all within, you know, that's all in our sandbox, so to speak. We can we can make that exploration. We're not limited to just this little virtual reality that we call our universe. That's just a tiny speck in the larger consciousness system. A so of fact, there there in
1: things. now is the bridge for how you move from... Uh, the physical universe, into uh, what we would call the metaphysical or that that aspect of the universe that, that we're unable to measure with our typical instruments. In other words, therein is the bridge to out-of-body experiences. Therein is the bridge to paranormal activity. Uh, and, uh, and these things would all be the exploration of consciousness, right, Tom?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, those are all different aspects and natural aspects of consciousness. So the things that we call paranormal, the para only comes in there because we're restricting it to um, the viewpoint of our local virtual reality here. So those things are outside. Consciousness is the, is the superset. Our physical reality is a subset. So the, the, the superset contains the subset, but the subset does not contain the superset. So the subset is, is limited, and within that limited viewpoint, then we have certain restrictions on how energy gets transferred, and if you if you go beyond those restrictions, then it's called you put the para in front of it. It's paranormal rather than normal. But the right. superset consciousness, all of those things that are paranormal here are perfectly normal there. They're just artifacts of the nature of consciousness.
1: All right, I love it. Let's uh, let's take a phone call. Online too, we have Susan, and she wants to know how to use consciousness, uh, maybe a little more. Uh, specifically than we have dealt with right now. Susan, welcome to the show. You have Tom Campbell.
0: Yes, thank you so much. Uh,
1: Hello, Susan. Our pleasure. Hi.
0: I knew I was going to get through. It's my birthday today, so I I visualized (laughs) it, and it worked.
2: Happy birthday. Thank you. And what's your question, Susan?
0: Well, I know you talked a little bit about moving around in this larger consciousness system. Mm -hmm. Now, how do we use that for our benefit, or what do we do to use that? For our benefit?
2: Well, there are there are several ways to, to look at that. To begin with, let me stress that you do not have to do that to evolve spiritually. Um, doing things like out-of-body and other things that are considered paranormal, those are available to you as consciousness, but they're not necessary for you to grow and evolve your own consciousness. You can do that without doing any of those kinds of things, but now if you do do those things, like like I have done you get a larger perspective you get a bigger viewpoint you begin to see how things fit together what's connected to what how the world works you know what's the uh, what are the limitations the things that you can do and all of that is a is an understanding and if that understanding were restricted just to the intellectual level it would probably not do you very much good but in understanding that at a at a being level it's sort of like a, the difference between somebody that's traveled the world and somebody that's never left the you know the the city in which they were born one it's not it's not the the, um, the factual knowledge that that traveler has gained it's just the perspective that he gains suddenly he has bigger pictures and things make more sense he can think and work at a higher level as far as his understanding of things and that's what the traveling of the larger consciousness system will do for you. It just gives you a larger perspective in which things make sense. And as things make sense, it's easier for you then to live your life in a way that optimizes, you know, your potential. When well, you talk opposed- about
0: out of body, are you doing that through meditation?
2: Uh, well, you know, I started that way, but eventually that's unnecessary. You can just you can just go kind of at a, at a moment whenever you want to. Matter of fact, you can parallel process and you can be in another reality system besides this one and at this one at the same time.
0: And how do you so, practice that then?
2: Well, you start, with, you start with meditation. And the reason meditation is good is that the, if you're going to understand consciousness, the place to start is understanding your own consciousness. And when you meditate, you become acquainted with your own consciousness. And because your consciousness is part of the larger consciousness, that's your doorway into the larger consciousness it's a matter of getting rid of beliefs of um, fear just being experiencing and of course in the beginning what you have to do a lot of is collect evidential data because otherwise you'll never know if what you're experiencing is just inside your head in other words your imagination or whether it's something that's outside of you a larger reality
0: but when i understand meditation it really is just quieting my mind
2: it is it's a matter of getting all of the all of the jabber out of your mind to where you just exist and if there's nothing in your mind but pure existence that's what we call point consciousness your awareness is just of your existence that is a very fundamental springboard that's a place that you should you should learn to go to and keep and be able to hold that steadily from there you can do all sorts of things it's just up to your intent because at that point you are not physical. You're just consciousness, and that's the place to start.
0: Okay, good. I understand that. Thank you very much. That made a lot of sense.
1: Thank you for calling, Susan.
0: You're very welcome. Uh, have a great day, guys.
1: Hey, you too, and happy birthday again!
0: Thanks again. Yeah.
1: Uh, all right. Let's uh, let's go to line one. We have Lisa from uh, Massachusetts on the line with us. Tom, welcome to the show, Lisa.
0: Hi. Um, I have a question. Um, in the title of the book is. Connecting to divine intervention, and I'm I'm having like a, a really hard time with a lot of things, and you know I pray and all that, but I was just, do you have any tips you could give me?
2: Um, divine intervention. You're talking about uh, things changing and modifying in this reality uh, based on your intent and yeah. working through a larger reality. Well, yes, right. that sort of that sort of thing happens all the time. The consciousness system of which we are a part um, is very much trying to help us succeed because we are part of its way that it evolves. You know, we're, we're part of the evolution process of the whole. As we evolve, it evolves. It is also an evolving system. So there's all sorts of mechanisms from synchronicity to guides to, to um, other things that, that help us nudge us and kind of point us in the right direction. Things will change, uh, circumstances will change based on the lessons we need to learn, where we are, you know, what sort of uh, um, opportunities we have to grow ourselves and evolve ourselves. If we are, you know, when you evolve yourself, we said that that means that you're lowering your entropy, but that also, we can use other words that are more familiar. That means growing toward becoming love. That means letting go of fear. So
0: like the other woman who who mentioned meditation, would you say start there also?
2: Yes, start with meditation. Now, the way the system works is your mind is consciousness. You have an intent. Your intent moves consciousness. That's the motive force within consciousness. So when you apply your intent to things, consciousness tends to modify itself or or modify this particular virtual reality to give you what you need to grow. So that's where your if that's you're... not pleasant,
0: yeah, right. I mean, to learn your lesson. Yes, but sometimes oh, no. that's
2: not pleasant. You know, unfortunately, most of us learn a whole lot quicker through pain than we do through joy. And thank and uh...
0: you. okay, thank you. Thanks
1: for calling, Lisa. Uh, Tom, just by way of contrast here, uh, you know, science tends to look at the world in a very mechanistic way, and we're educated, all of us, to view the world that way. So, when you know, from the time we're very, very young, we explore outside of ourselves. We explore what's next door. We explore what's in another planet. We go to the moon, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we spend very, very little time really looking at what consciousness is. And so I think, you know, it, it one of the things that you're saying here is you can't you can't navigate yourself. You can't understand consciousness unless you stop long enough to get in touch, and as that old saying goes, above all else, know thyself. Have I got that right?
2: That's right. That's absolutely right. As long as you're preoccupied with uh, this virtual reality, then you are not, um, let's say, developing your awareness of consciousness. Consciousness is is an awareness that one needs to develop. It's not... uh, it's not a trivial act to do that
1: no that's that's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, we spend years and years and years learning various uh, uh, skills in the mechanistic world, whether they be the skills of language or the skills of arithmetic or the skills of reason, uh, the skill I mean w- how much time do we spend memorizing historical information so that we can regurgitate it in a test, and then when you say to someone how much time have you spent actually in serious introspection? It pales so much by contrast. So if I understand you, well, your advice to everybody would be, first of all, turn around and start looking at who you are. That's where you begin in all of this. But then if we do that and we understand this notion of, of consciousness, it kind of gives rise to a question coming out of the chat room again. Does that mean there are lots of gods?
2: <laughs> Does that mean there are lots of gods?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, if that, we're go ahead,
2: that depends on uh, on what you mean by the word god.
1: Well, now that's <laughs> that, that's a question, Tom, not an answer. <laughs> uh, why? You know, let's let's look at it this way: each individual aspect of consciousness, if I understand you correctly, from what you just explained, uh, particularly Lisa, uh, is guided or facilitated, assisted, whatever operative word in maximizing itself, in in manifesting uh, lower entropy uh, by the totality of consciousness or the initial consciousness? And maybe I'm not clear there. Is it the totality or the initial?
2: Uh, the totality. We're talking about the, the, the whole of the c- consciousness system.
1: Right. So all of us uh, are in this consciousness. Does that mean that... As a totality, there is, I, I guess what I'm trying to do is, you know, move you toward a theological uh, conclusion here. And, and if it doesn't apply, just say so. It doesn't apply. But I'm pursuing this question for Katie out of the chat room. You got that, Katie? <laughs> Does it, is the totality of our consciousness such that uh, that makes all of us in the body, so to speak, I'm using that in quotation marks, of the one consciousness, as in the body of God.
2: Uh, yes, I would say that's probably a good metaphor to use. Um, you know, when I wrote my books, there's not a lot of uh, uh, there's not a lot of words there uh, that you know describing things in terms of God. But I've had any number of people who, after reading my books, uh, say that. What they, you know, the thing that makes them feel comfortable is to take this larger consciousness system and name it God. You know, that is God, the larger consciousness system. Well, you know, it fits some of the descriptions of God, depending on, you know, where you come from and your theology. Um, I don't use the word God much because it comes laden with so much emotional and learned and belief um, kind of baggage comes with it. But I try to avoid that just because I don't then want to, want to give people problems with understanding the concepts because now they have to deal with the baggage that's coming with their preconceived notions. But yes, you can say that. You have the one larger consciousness system. We're all a part of it. You've heard the, the mystical phrase, we are all one. Well, that's true. We are all part of one large thing. We're all netted on the, this consciousness as an information system. We're all plugged in. It's like being on the Internet. We're all netted, and we communicate with each other all the time through the system. And that's true of all consciousness. Consciousness is not just people. Everything that's that's, uh, sentient is conscious. It,
1: everything that is sentient is conscious. That's I, I, I like that because that's I, I want to go there now. Last week we had Rupert Sheldrake on the show, I and mean, you know who Rupert is. Mm-hmm. And among among his studies, of course, has been work with consciousness in in the animal world. And yeah. and my next question to you is going to be: Does does this net then? <clears throat> uh, does this net prosper or is it injured? by how consciousness treats other forms of consciousness. Does entropy grow or does entropy become less? That should be the operative term here instead of injured.
2: Okay, well, we're all here. When I say all, I'm talking about all consciousness. So, you know, yes, that's dogs and cats, but it's also, you know, bumblebees and, and goldfish.
1: And it's, ants. <laughs>
2: it's just all, all beings are conscious and we're all here in order to grow, to evolve. You know, that's what consciousness has produced this virtual reality we call physical. It's for us to evolve. Now, if we do things that increase our entropy, then we are de-evolving. And you have free will. You can make choices and by the choices that you make, the intent that you have, again, intense the motivator of the thing that moves consciousness. If you're intense, are such that you create more entropy, more disorder, and those would be things that would be, you know, not being nice, you know, the the evil, the, the unpleasantness, the hurting, the fear, that sort of thing. Then you're, you are de-evolving instead of evolving consciousness. And, yes, then the whole system de-evolves a little if you de-evolve, because you're part of the system. So, yes, it does. It hurts, and uh, the system needs to... Uh, have a net gain, obviously, if it's going to continue to survive. Otherwise, it will it will de-evolve into just, uh, you know, ones and zeros, which are not information.
1: Right. So as we enter this holiday season, it's incumbent on all of us to recognize that it's a whole lot more than just nice words, a lot more than metaphysical flowers to to say what you do unto the least of thy brethren.
2: Um, Absolutely. Maybe that's... Absolutely, and it, it's about your intent, not about your actions. People can act very kind. They can you know, do good deeds, but that doesn't earn a bit of entropy reduction. That doesn't evolve them any if it's not from the being level, if they're just acting, but it's not real, if they're just going through the motions. So it's not just a matter of be nice. In the in the sense of act
1: you got you to believe it well we're coming to the end of the show we got like 20 seconds Tom <laughs> listen everybody out there come visit eldon click on the leaks and visit Tom's uh, webpage see his books uh, his uh, his movies uh, don't miss out on this you happy